Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. GAF, we protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply, providing contractors, home builders, and many others with superior quality roofing products. It's the Carolina Contractor Show, and it's also football season coming up tomorrow. We got the NFL back in action. Well, actually, we had some a game on Thursday. I would like to talk nothing but sports every weekend on the Carolina Contractor Show, but that would defeat the purpose of the show, and then we'd have to change all the artwork and everything. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, your host, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Welcome back to the show, Mr. D. Good to be back, as always, and I am equally excited about football season. Yeah, who's your team to win it all? I don't know. I would say the Panthers. I'm just joking when I say that because I'm a loyal fan, but uh, you know there is some hope in Charlotte this year. If Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy and really like the way Baker Mayfield looked in the third preseason game against Buffalo's starting defense, he really just carved him up. And, uh, and of course, the Panthers won that preseason game, which is not really an indicator of anything, but just to see your new guy showing off against the starting defense that's picked to win the Super Bowl was very promising. Now, I'm, of course, a Kansas City fan, but uh, our receiving core is kind of hurting this year, so I don't know if we'll do it. And I've really not paid a whole lot of attention to preseason or looked in deep into these teams, but it's fun just to watch football once in a while. But again, we're, we're not a football show. We are the Carolina Contractor Show, and you can find more details at our website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We've got past shows you can download and listen to at your own convenience. We've got links to our social media. We've got the very popular Ask the Contractor button, and what you do there is you go to the website and click on the Ask the Contractor knob right there, and you can send a question to Donnie. It can be anything about your house, the inside, the outside, plumbing, electrical, things like that. And if you do want to follow us on social media, we've got links there and also our Instagram just week after week, Donnie. It's amazing. It keeps climbing. We're up to about uh, 4,700 followers there, and we like to post stuff now and again. So if you want to stalk us digitally, that's the place to go. And then every week we pick a topic. The topic we're going to pick today is going to be about what to do when you don't have any power at your house. And Donnie, you wanted to interject there. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing, and I hate to circle back to football because you got us right back off of it. But uh, we did a show with Mick Mixon about a year ago. And of course, he's the voice of the Carolina Panthers or was the voice for about 20 years. And uh, this guy just eats, sleeps and breathes football and, and is just an outstanding human being on top of that. But we did a lot of work on his house. And so we had him on for a show to talk about this remodel on a hundred year house that he uh, he had a beautiful re- renovation done to and he also did an addition we're actually building the house next door to him for his daughter-in-law and son-in-law at the moment and so I drive in the job site the other day and Mick is out there burning a brush pile and important to note this is his very first year of retirement so he's not in Charlotte for training camp or preseason for the first time in a long time of course he walks up to the truck and I bring up football he sees football like the Matrix. So uh, he gives me the rundown on everybody that I ask about, you know, and of course we get into this 30-minute conversation and I pulled away from that conversation realizing that I just got my own personalized Mick Mixon take on the Carolina Panthers, you know, without him actually being in Charlotte. And and I felt like a little kid, to be honest, because he told me a lot of really good information. He gave me a lot of insight on what the organization thought about this guy or that guy. One thing that he said was pretty cool is the um, the guy, Matt Coral or Corral, I don't know, it's, it's our quarterback 
quarterback that we drafted this year who got hurt in the preseason. But uh, what Mick said is that the front office was already looking at him before the draft even happened this year. So he was the third quarterback off the board. And Mick said that he was our top pick all along. So just good news uh, across the board. And um, like I said, it was really good to catch up with him and, and just talk football with the guy who knows more about it than anybody around. Well, it's official. Me and Donnie are going to start up a second show and we're just going to talk sports and have Mick back on. <laughs> I remember when we had Mick on, I said, what's the biggest thing you're looking forward to doing in retirement? And he said, bush hogging. And he does. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He just drives around bush hogging stuff. So we'll invite Mick to come on the show and talk football and bush hogging and house building and all that stuff. But as I said before, today's topic is going to be what to do when the power goes out. And we're going to get to that in a sec. But speaking of power, I found a story. This happened last week about a couple that had rented an electric vehicle and were driving around the mountains of West Virginia and they ran out of juice. And the beauty of it was when they ran out of juice, they looked for help and they found it in coal miners who pushed them to the coal mine where there was a guard shack that had the ability to charge their car. But the electric vehicle was rescued by the guys digging the coal. And the irony is, I bet that charger somewhere down the the line where you connected it to the power source, it was from coal being burned. So it's very fun to watch uh, electric vehicles and coal miners work together to get a vehicle back on the road. The other thing I want to point out real quick, Donnie, lumber prices. You are a prognosticator, and you said that they were going to drop, and it was going to be a big drop when they peaked. And this past January, they were at thirteen twenty nine. I'm sorry, I don't know thirteen twenty nine per what? Would you, Donnie? Per board foot which was down from 1700 a board foot at the peak. And what is that real quick? Yeah, a board foot is a uh, 1 by 1 by 12. Well, they've gone from 1329 per board foot in January to $462 as of last Thursday. And they're also talking about that they could see it drop below 400. You might be thinking as a builder or someone who is planning on getting a house built by Donnie Blanchard, you might think this is great, prices will be cheap. Well, the mills say once you get below 400, it's not really advantageous for them to keep cutting so much wood and sending it out. So they tend to take them offline for a while. That means people get laid off. They're not getting paid. And then when spring comes after a winter thaw and the demand goes back up, they can't keep up and those prices go way back up and you have another supply demand issue possibly. Yeah, that cycle is inevitable, and I really hate to see that happen. It would be nice if things could just be stable, but that's not the world we live in anymore. And um, funny, when you were talking about that, it, it brought a quote to mind, and I sent this out to several friends, and it goes like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. So that kind of feeds into the cycle that you just described with the lumber industry. A couple other things of topic regarding uh, power. Uh, California issued a flex alert this week, and they asked residents conserve energy because there's a heat wave. And the reason they had to conserve energy was to avoid blackouts. So they said, please set your thermostat to 78 degrees or higher and avoid appliance use and charging electric vehicles after 4 p.m. This is the same state that says you can't sell a new gas vehicle in our state, only electric, beginning, I think, 2032. So once again, they're telling you we do not have the electricity to currently power our state when the demand is there, but we're going to require you to do more. And they're telling you, if you do get that EV vehicle, please don't charge it after 4 p.m., which is the time I would think most people would would do that. And Donnie and I were talking it off the air. We're not bashing electric vehicles. We're just saying that electric vehicles are a really good idea, but the infrastructure isn't there. And until they spend the, I think it was $2 trillion to 
upgrade the infrastructure and meet the demand, this is kind of definitely putting the cart before the horse. Did that text come through that I sent you this week with the generator charging the electric vehicle? Yes, a gas generator hooked up to a electric converter that was plugged into an electric car. Yeah. Say no more, right? Exactly. All right. Well, let's jump in the subject. We got a lot to go over. It's all about power and the power to your house. And again, we'll put the details up at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. But what we want to do is have you think, what do you do when you lose power? It might not be a hurricane. It might not be a a thunderstorm or or something like that, but just a, a car accident knocks out a utility pole and you don't have power. There's some things you can do to make it easier. There's some fun things you can do. But right now, just think about you and your family, you and your kids. You can't have any electricity for a day. As a matter of fact, maybe try it. And have you ever unplugged your kids? We at the Smith household once in a while do what we call wireless Wednesdays. And that means no electronic devices, no phones, no tablets, laptops, It's really tough this time of year because of school back in session and they need Chromebooks and and phones. But we have personally noticed when we take our kids off electronics for a whole day, they literally detox. It's electronic detox. Their attitude changes. They're definitely not isolating as much. And we all do it. It's very easy to do. So when your power goes out, you can have a positive effect from it. But there are some things you need to take care of. And we want to start right off the front, Donnie. The power goes out at your house. What do you do? First step. Um, I guess you would check your electric bill to make sure it's paid. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and address this one. The power went out at our house and I called my utility company here in Wilson. And I said, yeah, power's gone out in our neighborhood. And he says, all right, let me confirm your address. And I confirm it. He says, I'll call you right back. 30 seconds later, phone rings. He said, uh, yeah, there's no power outage. We cut your power. You didn't pay your bill. And we had it set up on automated pay, and we changed our card that we were using but didn't update that information. And evidently, they sent us a, a letter, but we missed it. So we had to pay like 50 bucks to have it reconnected, but we, we learned our lesson there. But another simple thing, go to your breaker box. Look for a trip fuse or something. The other thing, if it's nighttime, look at your neighbor's lights, street lights, things like that. Check on social media. Ask your your friends who live in your neighborhood on social media. And if you're noticing your neighborhood's out and the power is out, call the power company. Uh, What are the numbers you had a couple, Donnie? Yeah, if you're on Duke Energy, uh, Duke Energy's power uh, number is 1-800-POWER-ON. And, of course, they will use your phone number to link you to the account. And usually within about 30 seconds to a minute, they'll tell you there's a power outage in your area. And their service also provides a projected power back on time for you. So that's a good way to find out if you need to prepare for a couple of days or just a couple of hours. And uh, this is a preventative maintenance thing that I want to throw in there. You can also call the utility commission if you know that, say, we've got an ice storm coming and the weather service says it's going to be here in 24 hours. If you have a a transformer or power lines that are close to your house and you can see where the trees are overgrown, and of course, that's a maintenance thing that the power company should be on top of. But if they're not and you see something that's potential danger for a power outage, and you can also get on ncuc.net. And you can call or email a complaint, and usually the utility commission are are quick to respond to that in terms of uh, taking down a tree that may be in conflict with the power line. The other thing is sometimes when the power goes out, we just say, well, my neighbors will call. There's no reason I need to call. But call the minute you notice your power's out because the outage could be very limited in scope. It could just be a few people without power. And the power company wants to know. 
Again, they want to limit the scope of the power outage and the damage. So call them quickly so they can investigate it quickly. And like Donnie said, they can also tell you approximate times of power coming back on. All right. So the power's out. You've called the power company. You now need to put a lock on your refrigerator and freezer because if the kids are home during a power outage, the first thing they do is let me check the fridge and they'll open it 20 times to see what's in there. (laughs) And you got the stats, Donnie, on how much time it takes for a fridge and freezer to lose its uh, stored up cooling after a power outage. Yes, sir. The last power outage we had, I looked this up and and made a mental note, but um, I want to say it's around four to six hours before a refrigerator will return to room temperature. So, um, you know, that's not a lot of time. It gives you enough time to get a generator hooked up and of course maintain that refrigerator. But the numbers on a, a half full freezer, an upright freezer would be about 24 hours. And if you have a fully packed freezer, I think they extend that up to about 48 hours, which I live in the county. So, um, Of course, I'm the guy that goes to the grocery store on Friday, and I don't leave the house until Monday if I can help it, especially with the prediction of the food shortage here recently. My freezers are all packed out. And uh, side note, uh, freezer alarm is a very cheap thing. I call it cheap insurance, but it's 20 bucks on Amazon to get a freezer alarm. I have uh, one that for $20, I had two monitors in. The only maintenance there is you have to change out the AA battery in the monitor. So uh, basically that freezer alarm will tell you if something goes out and whether it be a, a problem or short with the freezer or the power outage, that thing will let you know. And of course, some people have as much as $1,000 worth of meat stored in their freezer at a time. So that's big money to uh, to keep track of. Is it true that most of yours, though, is just roadkill you pick up and put in the freezer? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Big fan of raccoon. Oh, there's nothing like it after it's been cooked on the road for an afternoon. Funny story is uh, my guys, uh, <laughs> of course, they, they were raised in a different part of the world is a nice way to say that. And some of the guys that work for me, they're wonderful. I mean, and and, and I really, I think inside the box and they're very much open-minded in terms of what meat they're open to eat. And so um, when we were framing my personal house, it's been about 11 years ago, they saw a raccoon. It was getting near dark. And of course, the raccoon's in the edge of the woods. And so they quickly built a small trap out of the uh, wood, the scrap wood from the house. And of course, they trapped the raccoon. And I'm like, man, did you eat that thing? And they said, oh yeah, the meat's a little greasy, but it's pretty good. They went on to tell me about how good turtle was. And they said, you know, we think white meat, dark meat. And actually, there's a third type of meat in a turtle that I had no idea about. So turtles, raccoons, and possums are all fair game to folks who weren't raised around here. When I audition and make the show alone, I'll think about eating that. But (laughs) until then, I'm just going to stick with with the basics that I like. Same. All right. This is Carolina Contractor Show. And we're uh, actually not talking about things you can cook that you find on the side of the road, but things that you should be prepared for when you lose power to your house. Uh, Another thing, this is obvious, flashlights. They're a lot safer. They're better than candles. You can direct them better. They get better light. We keep ours in a drawer with a sealed pack of batteries because if you leave batteries rolling around, they can go bad. Uh, Kids love glow sticks. So keep glow sticks around. They're safe and they can have fun with them. And you can even buy kits that include flashlights, lanterns, batteries that you can just have in one special spot in case you lose power. And for longer outages, there's solar lanterns that are cheap and they can charge by day and be replaced back in the house after dark. Now, Donnie, you're getting into some of the stuff with solar panels on houses and solar roofs, Mm -hmm. but I heard solar panels can't run a house when the power's down. Is that true? Um, so it's, it's not true, but it is true for most solar panel installs. So we commented on solar shingles versus a rack system. Most people still have the rack system because that's all that's been available for years and years. The big deal there is you usually sign a contract with a power company. So people talk about uh, being tied into the grid. So all during the day when the sun's out, your solar panels are feeding energy back into the power grid 
And of course, that lessens the load on the grid during the day, which is a good thing for everybody. And of course, at night you consume from the grid because there's no sun out. So the object is to be basically cancel those numbers out. You want to backfeed enough into the grid during the day that what you consume at night is a wash. So the big deal there is you can't feed back into the grid during a power outage because, you know, we talked about this on a generator show. There are going to be linemen out there who are assigned to uh, get that power back up and running. And, and you know, those linemen are, are tinkering with the power line. So uh, basically you sign a contract saying that you will not back feed into the grid during a power outage for that reason, just for safety reasons alone. Uh, but the way you accomplish that is a retrofit. And this is not against the law or anything. It's just that a lot of the solar companies probably don't make you aware of this because it just adds to the cost of the system. Uh, what you have to have is an inverter that charges a battery. Uh, so those are two things that you don't have to have on just a uh, system that feeds into the grid. And something that we talked about on the generator show that's a big deal is a transfer switch. So um, I also forgot to mention that you'll have to have another sub panel if that's not the case already. But basically, you'll have to have that transfer switched wired into the sub panel. And that tells the inverter to charge the battery. And I think when we talked about this off the air, you were making a good point about you know, really it comes down to the battery capacity after that. So even though you may be able to uh, charge that battery, will that battery power your whole house until the sun comes back out again? But the guy that schooled me on this was telling me that he went into a subdivision once and they had about a hundred solar houses and only about one or two had this capability or had been retrofitted to be able to power the house in the event of an outage. Yeah, that's there's a lot there that the idea of a solar roof and solar panels seems simple, but you have a lot of stuff that you have to go through to get to that point, hence the reason of calling a pro and and getting an idea of what you're going to need for this to work. Now, Donnie, I'm going to have to go right back to you again for your knowledge because we're going into generators and you have some more information than I do. A generator is great during a power outage, not knowing how to use it is bad. And we know some of the basics, like never bring a generator into the house or your garage. There's gas and fuel you have to deal with. You got to make sure it's stored, uh, knowing what you can power. But there's some other things about having a generator or hooking it up to your house directly and some of the advantages of standalone versus portable generators. Right. Um, of course, standalone is ideal. The cost is the uh, is the only drawback. I would say they they range from anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand, depending on what size you need, and also what what type of fuel source you have is another consideration. Generators come compatible for natural gas or propane, and uh, basically, if you have propane as the only option, it's a lot more expensive to run that thing. The cost of natural gas, we commented on this a week or so ago, but it's gone up, but it's still quite a bit less than propane. And if things stabilize in the market, I feel like natural gas will come back down to more of an affordable price per gallon. But um, uh, portable is always an option. You know, uh, we had this issue with power outages where I live and all the feeder lines come in from from a particular main highway. And we had two or three power outages in a row. And it almost seems like all of our uh, transformers and poles are all nice and new. So of course, we don't have to deal with that. And a portable generator is all that I really need. You know, the standalone generator, there is a maintenance cost because it cycles on and off every week just to make sure it's running okay. And there's a fuel cost associated with that, of course, but portable only costs you when you need it. And so I have a portable generator now that will run the majority of my house, and and it seems we only lose power in the winter. You know, ice storms t- seem to be our uh, Achilles heel. But with a portable generator, of course, I do recommend cycling it on and off at the beginning of every you know summer and winter, at least twice a year, just to uh, make sure everything runs the right way. But uh, the way we have this one wired is I have an outdoor plug because, of course, a generator it's going to have uh, exhaust fumes, things like that that you can't put it inside or even inside of a garage because that's that's 
not a good thing. But um, I have mine sitting outside of the house, and I usually pop up a little tent or something to keep it in the dry. But um, it back feeds into my panel. And of course, I have that transfer switch that I talked about on my panel that I can simply go downstairs to the uh, the the main panel and just flip the transfer switch. And that eliminates the possibility of me back feeding into the grid with my generator. But yeah, the portable generator, there are some tricks to operating this thing because everything consumes a different amount of energy in the house. So of course, the main thing is you want to keep your refrigerators and freezers online. And I guess secondary would be you know, keeping warm at night. And we have gas logs. And of course, the portable generator is capable of operating all my refrigerators and freezers while at the same time uh, allowing my, my fan on our gas logs to blow. Um, it's amazing. Just those gas logs will heat my whole upstairs and uh, it, it seems to work fine for what I need. But, you know, if I were older, 20 years older or so, and I didn't have the back to move this portable generator around, I just didn't want to fool with anything and I had the money that standalone is sure a nice option. Donnie, I got a specific question, and that is, do you know the minimum wattage of a portable generator someone should get to get through a couple days without power? Because when you look for portable generators, there's a wide range. How, should they get the biggest, or will the smallest be enough? Or I would get uh, the biggest that you could afford, because you can always uh, use the max uh, output from that. And, and I would say that you know, if you go with a smaller generator, that's just something that you know I call it a job site generator. So we can go out there and we can run a few uh, tools off of that simultaneous. But that's all that the small generators are really good for. I, I would say the rule of thumb is if you can't pick it up off of the ground. Then, then that's a good thing. If you can pick it up off of the ground uh, and just one man can can manhandle that thing, it's probably way too small for what you need to power a house. And you say also that if you have a a generator, especially a whole house generator, and you're the only one in your neighborhood that has it, there's going to be an epic house party at your place. I mean, yeah, I only have a few neighbors where I live, but we all get along great. And, you know, I would welcome that if we're all stuck in the house for several days. That's only happened about twice since I've been here in 11 years where we had uh, several days and uh, my dad has a lot of gas appliances at his house, gas water heater and uh, gas heat. So when he plugs up his generator, you know, of course, the gas carries the heavy load for the water, the hot water and and the heat. So really, his generator just powers the lights and the fans and things like that. So it's uh, it's definitely a much more comfortable spot. And I kind of use our power outages to go get close with family, man. That's, that's definitely an advantage of that. All right, Donnie, I, I've picked your brain on generators and, and hooking up uh, during a power outage. I can ask you one more. Do you know? True or false, when the power comes back on, can that damage appliances or electronics? I've always heard it can, but I'm not sure today. It can, yes, sir. And uh, in the, I've never had that happen because in the event of the power outage, of course, we flipped the transfer switch. So I have complete control over when the power is restored to my appliances. And uh, what we do is we get ready and basically turn all the breakers off for those appliances and then flip the transfer switch back to the power grid and then individually turn those appliances back on. And that, that seems to be the safe approach versus uh, the surge that comes from the power company all at once. Which goes back to something we've said at the beginning of the show and past shows, take the time to label your breaker box correctly. So if you do have a power outage, you know what stuff to turn off, especially the larger appliances like your AC system or oven or things like that. The refrigerator, it's great to know where it is. Uh, I just found this also. Duke Power has surge protection plans for up to $5,000 per incident and up to $10,000 a year toward appliance electronic repair replacement reimbursement. And it costs, uh, according to their website, $9.99 a month. So if you're in an area that has power outages uh, consistently and you're worried about a surge protection, you're on Duke Power, you can contact them 
and get all the details. Now, we know what basically to do, Donnie, when the power goes out at our house and, and safety and generators. But as we started the beginning of this show, we talked about detoxing not just our kids, but ourselves from electronics. I use the phrase uh, wireless Wednesdays, no electronic devices for a day as much as possible anyways, especially with school being in session now. But there are some things you find out, and I know you have too, Donnie, when power goes out and everybody looks at each other, especially in bad weather, what are we going to do? Board games always come out at our house, and usually we say, hey, let's play a board game, and and my kids are normal. They go, oh, that's boring. I don't want to do that. But my wife and I will go ahead and start that game, and they will one by one join in. And the games we like, which are very simple to play and set up, Uno, Yahtzee, Clue, you got any games you like? Um, yeah, well, my, well, my kids are younger. They, they seem to be a fan of puzzles. Um, Legos were a big thing and I, I kind of like that because it's constructive. You know, you have to follow a blueprint and put something together. So Legos are expensive. I don't know if you bought those lately, but man, just a small Lego sets like 10, 20 bucks. And, you know, I don't know where mine got to from my childhood, but I'd like to, I'd like to find those somewhere, probably about a thousand dollars worth. <laughs> I believe it. My daughter Reagan loves Legos. As a matter of fact, for Christmas, if you just give her a Lego set or two, she will leave the room when the presents are all open, go into the dining room and, and take over the table there. And she will build it from start to finish in one sitting. My, my wife is a crafts person, so they like to draw and paint and craft when the power's out. The younger kids love building a fort when you grab some bed sheets and stuff. And um, I remember one time we pulled the Coleman tent out from the tool shed and brought it in the living room when my kids were like between five and nine. And they didn't want to leave. They, My son actually slept in the living room in the tent during a power outage because he enjoyed it so much. The one thing that I got the most credit for the last time we had a power outage, I want to say it was about a year and a half, two years ago, is that we cooked on the grill, which was great for me because I, I was prepared for that and we had enough food to make it through a couple of days. But uh, when I finished dinner one night, I uh, thought, why don't I give cookies a whirl? So right there on the green egg, you know, I took a sheet pan and laid out the chocolate chip cookies and the cookies were actually better on the green egg than they were in the oven. Did not know that before. I did that once too. It wasn't because of a storm. The element in the oven burned out and I'd promised my daughter that day that we we're going to make cookies. So I tried the grilling. I didn't have quite as much success as you do. I would say that using uh, oak combined with charcoal just adds a unique gamey flavor to chocolate chip cookies that you might not be looking for, <laughs> but it still was fun to do it. So we're going to have this stuff up on the website. Again, some of this is easy and, and pretty simple things you know to do when the power goes out, but there are some things that can be a safety issue. Again, if you're thinking about getting a generator, don't just buy a generator and think when the power goes out, I'm just going to hook it up or do some crazy way. You're going to try to hook it up to your own box at your house, your breaker box. There is a a big danger in having a generator hooked up to your house. It's a standalone unit. Get a pro to do it. You need to know about transfer switches, inverters, and again, backloading is a very dangerous thing for the people trying to help you out. The website address, the Carolina Contractor. Donnie, I thank you for joining us once again, and we'll come back next week and uh, have more fun talking about football, maybe, and and building houses, right? That sounds good. Yeah, good plan. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining the show, and we will see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Learn more at thecarolinacontractor.com.
Hey, it's Eric Smith, co-host of the Carolina Contractor Show for SureTop Roofing. A brand new roof is even more affordable than ever. SureTop Roofing, your local GAF Master Elite certified roofer, now offers financing plans for as low as $85 a month. That's probably less than your internet or cell phone bill. With approved credit, you can finance that brand new roof for 10 years at 9.9%, and that includes warranties for up to 50 years. But this offer is only available from SureTop Roofing, so schedule your free estimate at SureTop Roofing. That's SureTopRoofing.com.